day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live right here on Faith FM. G'day, g'day. We want to welcome you to the program, whether you're in Bunbury, Western Australia, Sejuna, South Australia, Warburton, Victoria. These names sound familiar. They do, they do. Where we've been the last few months. Yep. Nara, New South Wales, that's my hometown. Big shout out to those at Nara. Old Bar, my daughter lives up that way, hunty. Yep. Gladstone in beautiful Queensland, my home state. Might have been born in Nara. Really? Oh, yeah, but Gladstone. No, not Gladstone, Queensland. Oh. <laughs> home state, man, not town. <laughs> I've actually never been to Gladstone. All oh, right. But welcome. And Atherton, Tablelands, Queensland. I've been there. Love it. Welcome to the program today, and welcome to you, Hunty. Yeah, welcome, listeners. Good to have you. We've got a special guest today. Yeah, we do. You want to introduce him? Yeah, we got the boss. we got uh, Robbie Bergen. G'day, mate. <laughs> hey, how you guys going again? Very good. We've actually like got him in the studio with us, which is I wonderful. I keep telling you, Hunty, he's yeah. your boss, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd doesn't like to have any... Um uh, commitments to any employers. <laughs> I got, I got, actually, I got one boss who watches me all the time. He's a good guy, too. He's he a is. good fella. He's a good bloke. The Lord Jesus Christ. Good person to work for. Hey, welcome, Robbie. Thank you very much for having me. This is exciting again. Yeah, he is. What, what? Now, just so, so our listeners know, uh, and you're a regular on Faith FM. I am. Uh, you, um, are the program manager for Faith FM. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I oversee content. I oversee the studios. I oversee scheduling, all those sorts of things. How many studios we got in Australia? Oh man, I've got to remember how many there are now. So, um, I think it's seven. <laughs> okay. It's around seven. Is this counted as a Faith FM studio? If you want it to be. Do we want it to be hunting? Well, when we get it fixed up, it's a bit dodgy at the moment. <laughs> Actually, it's a good studio, this one. We're hey, th- this is... This is pretty impressive. You got cameras in this one. This is yeah, amazing. Is. Well, actually, we we've we got wiped out in the flood. But yes, we've we're we're praying furiously that our uh, insurance, insurance is going to come through. Yeah. If that comes through next time you come here, you won't recognise. Yeah, most of the gear really. in here is borrowed. <laughs> but it is a fabulous studio, and we're glad to have you. So you say seven. So these are seven official Faith FM studios. Yes. Uh how many Aussie programs on Faith FM? Oh. For, for those, if you listen to Faith FM, I think it's a twenty four seven radio 24/7, station. Twenty four seven, seven days a week. Yeah, yeah. So how many? How many programs? Ah, oh, so Aussie programs. So I put it this way: I started with Faith FM two and a half years ago in this role, and we had seventy um, percent uh, international content. Mm-hmm. So that's only about thirty percent Australian content. Yep. yep. Now we're at. A, about 87% is nice. Australian content. Wow. Where's that coming from? All over the country. So what Faith FM does is um, we're sort of decentralised. We've got, we got regional studios. So we've got yep. studios in – we've got um, two here in New South Wales. We've got one in Canberra. We've got one in Adelaide, one in Hobart, one in uh, Melbourne, and one in Queensland. Actually, two in Queensland. And there's a bunch of little micro studios, which is basically just the bare minimum to create content. And so we have – presenters in all those different parts of Australia who get into the studio, sometimes it's daily, sometimes it's weekly, put together content and then uh, give it to the to us at, in Melbourne and then we do all the scheduling and get it across the country. So these guys who come in, are they men and women, are they pastors or are they... Some of them are. Some of them are just uh, really, you know, keen um, Bible students. Uh, some are uh, health professionals. Yep. Some are... Uh, I've got a couple of people who aren't even, or they're, they're Christians, but they're like professionals, like in, you know, corporate life. Yeah. And they just present on topics that are of interest to them. I've got this one guy who talks about finances and things like that. 
Um, but yeah, some, we've got some doctors. We're trying to find some more doctors. Okay. Doctors is a hard doctors species. Doctors of medicine, you mean? Or yeah, just- medicine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We, I, because I say so from a content point of view, I love the idea of how Jesus's message is very holistic to the whole experience mm. as, a, as a human being. Mm. It's some people think Jesus; they only think like church and prayer and Bible study, but the Bible actually teaches a whole lifestyle. Yeah, it does. So there's there's an educational element, there's a, a spiritual element to it, there's a social element, there's a relational element, there's a, a financial element, and so the Bible has all those things. So we're at Faith of Them, we're trying to have a really balanced. Overview of everything that changes people's lives. Is it going better since you got the Aussies in? I think so. Look, the engagement level. Look, Australians. We we we're pretty tolerant with anyone, right? Doesn't matter yeah. where they come from. We got a lot of American presenters previously. We still have them. Um, a lot of UK guys, some from New Zealand, and so on. But Australians, I find, in terms of engagement, people respond to Australians better than international. And I think it's because, like, like I don't know how you are in your experiences in Australia growing up, but. I, you know, I'd much more rather hear a story in kilometres than in miles. Yeah. I'd rather yeah. hear in, in um, a recipe in, in grams instead of ounces, you know. Well, Hunty's so old, he actually understands both. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 and I, you and I wouldn't understand that, but Hunty's... That Hunty's, is true. Yeah. I, do, I do know 100 degrees is hot. Hey, you want to hear something really funny? I've yeah. got, got a seven-year-old son, just turned seven um, this uh, last month, and I was talking to him just before I came down here to Sydney, and he's like... Oh, Dad, when you drive those new cars in, in Sydney, make sure you don't go 100 miles an hour. And I said, <laughs> 100 miles an hour? Where'd you get that from? Yeah. He's like, that's fast. I said, yeah, it's fast, but that's not what we do in Australia. We do kilometres. And he's like, I said, well, anyway, he couldn't tell me. He couldn't tell me where he picked up miles per hour. Have you got a TV? We don't watch TV at our house. We have, I mean, we have YouTube and stuff. Does he we, go to school? Well, he does. He goes to school. He's homeschooled. Oh, so man. I'm not that, sure where that he got is from. a mystery. Someone's slinging about the hundred mile an hour. Hundred mile an hour, because that that is for all of us in it. That is a um, bit of a. He's only seven. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Well, um, it's good to have you on board. Anyway, it's great um, to be here. D- 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 one more question: How many people work full time for Faith FM? Do does anybody, or is it pretty much all voluntary? It's mostly volunteer. Uh, we are a pretty small staff, a full time staff. So. Um, in Melbourne, there is the equivalent of six full-time, um, but most of those roles, there's actually only three full-time, the rest are all part-time, and then all the rest is volunteer. How many radio stations across Australia? Uh, to, last count, which was about eight weeks ago, was uh, 226 stations, Whoa, or broadcast ha- sites, I should say. Wow. How many have you got on, Hunty? We're on 97 on 128 at the moment. Some and of that, the, but so, okay, that's not an actual one for one relationship. So that's not actually. So, no, no. So we'll have, okay, this is probably off our offline conversation, but we'll have, <laughs> we'll have, we'll have a number of sites representing a territory that is represented as one live site okay, got that it. you'll see there. Got so it, it's, it. the number is bigger than what you'll see on those screens there. Is, showing is this program right now going around most of Australia? All of Australia. Really? This is real time right around the whole of Australia. Potentially, how many people could be listening to this? So we had a, this is that's a really good question. We had a study done by um, a very, I won't mention the name, but we had a, a very professional company do a study for us to find out what the listener ratios were. And they have concluded that we reach one in five Australians. Wow. What's your aim? Well, all. <laughs> do you think that can ever happen? Are we, are we dreaming or could that happen? Look, I don't, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's going to require a lot of prayer. Um, because there's the biggest hindrance for us going nationally, like in terms of the entire population of Australia being reached, 
is licenses. That's our biggest problem. Mm. We've got we've got people who are willing to give. We've got people who have got the ability to to do it. And we've got all that stuff happening. The biggest problem we've got is that there are just so many communities where we just can't get a license because there's a limited spectrum that we can actually operate on. So how do you find out if a license is available? So we've got guys, uh, again, volunteers, that are just scouring the uh, ACMA, which is yeah. the registry for licenses for radio, and um, every now and then they'll come for auction. That's, that's how we got on here in Sydney uh, a, few, uh, a few months ago now. Uh, just time was right, someone was ready to sell, and uh, we were ready to buy. So, yeah, it, it really just – we've got people that are monitoring the whole country looking for licenses, and as soon as they pop up, we jump on them, and then – Is, is, there, is the radio station actually growing? Yes. Year, year by year? Yes. So there are more people can listen this year than last year? Absolutely. Two years ago when I started, we, we had 178 sites. Yep. We're now at 226, whatever it is. So uh, And so you, if you're reaching, say, five, you said five million? That's what the actual survey shows, yes. So... One in, sorry, sorry, one in five. Oh, one in, one in five. five. I'm trying to do my mathematics. You, 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 we've got a long way to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So since Sydney came on, Sydney Sydney added a potential of just over a million, right? Yeah. Since that Isn't came on. Isn't that fantastic? That is, uh, it's hey, an answer God, to prayer. God bless you to our hometown, hunting. <laughs> That's it. Sydney, going strong. So but we added we added Canberra and Sydney in the space of about three months, which added a big hunk of population to the yeah. to the network. And by doing that, we so when I when I first started two years ago, and this isn't my my job, my, yeah. I, don't, I don't work in the no, infrastructure you're, you're, side of it. Yeah, I'm the you content, do the programming. Right? Yeah. But the guys who are working in infrastructure, they managed in the space of two years to go from we're reaching our potential reach was one in five, our potential reach is now one in four. Yeah, um, the data shows, and the data was done earlier this year, which was before Sydney came on. The data showed that um, one in five Australians had listened to Faith FM. Last question. You probably can't answer it, but let's have a go. Have we got any idea how many people are listening to? Let's have a look at Faith FM in the morning, which would be with um, Lyle, Lyle Southwell. Yep. What's that program called? Um, the Breakfast Show. Bre- yeah. Okay. That makes <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. The Breakfast Show. <laughs> that would be our number one. That's when everybody's listening. Have we got any idea how many people are listening? We so radio is really tough to answer that, obviously, because you've got people listening in the cars, you have people listening to things, and it's not digital, so you don't get a, a like, like an internet, you know how people are watching something, right? Yeah, that's right. right. So in, in radio, there's, um, in commercial radio, there's two ways to know how many listeners you have. One is by doing what they call a diary survey. Mm. So you pay a big organisation and they survey people on a diary format, which is what show, what station, what time of day, all that sort of stuff. And that's how they get these ratings that they use, you know, like 2GBs, number 2 or 3 yeah. or whatever it is. That's oh, how they they'll do tell that. you they're number 1, mate. Oh, whatever, <laughs> whatever the numbers are. Here, here in Sydney, very important 2GB <laughs> recognise. We all need to recognise they're number 1. <laughs> so that's, that's one way. That costs an... A massive amount of money to do, and yep. for a small operation like we are in terms of budget, it's just it's not worth the return. Yeah, yeah. So the second way to do it is they, and this also uh, commercial users too, they look at the number of people that actually contact the station, engage with the show. Yep. Um, any any sort of form of engagement. Yeah. Basically, the rule is is that for every um, one engagement you get from a person, it represents about a thousand people based on the statistics. Ah. 
So normally what the way we operate in the in the sector, like yeah. in radio in general, is that for every one person that interacts, we've got about a thousand people listening. That's kind of the rule. So do of we fun. have much interaction on interaction on that breakfast show? So based on that, we are probably around about three quarters of a million. What, listening? Yes. That's huge. It is huge. So every time you get behind the mic, you're talking to an audience that's yeah, getting close getting closer and closer to a million. I'd be happy if Man, there was I a better thousand. behave. Yes, I've been telling him that for a long time. <laughs> he needs to behave. So that's, that's why one of my jobs is to make sure we're all professionals. Yes, yes. Well, we I can't choose music anymore. I've been banned. <laughs> he did get banned from choosing. Did you know that? Did we tell it? Robbie banned me. Robbie, Robbie banned me. It wasn't Robbie. I don't know if I banned him. It was the other dude who's oh, in it? charge of, oh, I don't know. I banned him, actually. If, oh, you, if you really want to know yeah. who banned him, I did. Well, you're the boss, right? Yeah, I, here I am. I said, mate, you're not choosing any more music. I, I do have one more question. I keep saying. Sure. Um, this is a third time, Hunty. This is your third last, last question. question. I'm counting. Yeah, yeah, this is a third time. Um, if you miss the show, we can measure it a little bit. People can go and listen online on the podcast. They can go to faithfm.com.au. Yeah, so you, you should know fa- that. Yeah, I should. You should. I, I, I actually <laughs> thought it was that, but I'm a bit scared of... Saying the wrong thing. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, although I've got our number down right, which Hunty hasn't got yet. Oh four eight 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 oh eight five one. And if you've got a question for the Aussie pastor, send any questions to the Aussie pastor. And you can also email us on info at aussiepastor.com. So that number is zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. I got it, Hunty eight. That is the number. <laughs> hey, this a, is, by the way, I, I hope all Australia knows that these texting numbers are live. They right? are. So yes. if you text in on that number yep. right now, we're going to see it pop up here yep. on the screen. We can I'm actually watch the screen. Yeah. 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 So feel free, do it. So you can pod. You, you can go and listen to podcasts. Yes. Do people do that, or is that yes, pod- a lot? Well, so <laughs> this is where it also gets interesting. So we made a decision about two years ago when I started that. Um, we had we had a uh, listen later service on faithfm.com.au, mm-hmm. which meant that anything that aired, you could go there and you could listen to it later. What we've done um, now is we've opened it up so that we've got it, we've got an app you can listen to it on the app, and we've also opened it up to things like Spotify, um, Google yep. Podcasts, Apple yep. Music or Apple Podcasts, I should say. And so there's a, so many different digital avenues now where you can listen to the Faith FM content yeah. after it's aired. Yeah. It's it's actually becoming quite difficult to track it all. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, is that each platform. This is what I've observed. Yep. Each platform's got a different demographic. Yeah. yeah. So ages and and genders are different based on which platform. Ah. So people listening, for example, on Spotify, there might be more females, yeah. younger females, on there versus say an Apple Podcast, which may be um, older males versus. Uh, these aren't exact, but that's the that's idea. That's bad news, Hunty, because I listen to Apple Podcasts. <laughs> I, I was just an illustration. I wasn't based on data. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> hey, look, can I bring your attention to an SMS that just came in from Christina? Yeah. Please unban Hunty from music selection. I loved it. So I've got at least one fan. I reckon that's your wife with a secret name. <laughs> Thank I can't, you, Christina. I, I can't Thank imagine you, Christina. anybody saying that. I'm glad you're listening. <laughs> Uh, okay, thank yes, thank you. Hunty doesn't. What, get, ha- what happened in this day in history, Lloyd? He, he doesn't get a lot. He doesn't get a lot of support. No, no, we're not. We're not we're finished not, yet. Not no. finished yet. The handbrake, the handbrake, well and truly engaged. <laughs> we're, we're free and easy today, mate, because okay. we've got the the boss in here. It's true. Um, so, is it a good idea to go and listen to a podcast? I reckon it is because you can actually choose your favourite yeah show. Yeah. What. The one you do. Um, yeah, you the do Faith it. Experiment. Yeah, you yeah. can actually go there. You can look up the Faith Experiment. You go back right to the beginning yes. and listen to it right from the beginning. Yep. 
You can listen. I, I've got people. Uh, the funny thing is, right, this is what I love. When you do it live, you have a, a certain audience that's tuned in at that time of yeah. day. Like right now, whatever it is, was it three something? Yeah. Three, whatever it is. It's uh, 348. 3.48. So there's, there's an audience listening live right now, yeah. which is suits this time, yeah. right? But there are plenty of people who maybe at 3.48, they're, they're doing something else. Maybe they're going yeah. to the schools or whatever they're doing. Yeah. They're the ones that will benefit from listening to Aussie Pasta yeah. on the podcast, right? And I have seen people um, text in for the free offers that we promote across the network, different shows. Um, they've asked questions on shows that were done like six months ago. Oh, okay. Wow! And they're sitting and they're listening. And one person said, "I'm listening to the sh- your sh- your show on the podcast while I'm doing the gym, they're like the treadmill yeah. in the gym." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very and it's good. Just, it's amazing, you know. Like we put the effort in to do these shows live. Yeah. And you kind of like, when you're done and dusted, you kind of, it leaves you this mind, you're starting on next week's program. But there are people who are going to tune into this episode in like six yeah. months, six years from now. Yeah. And it's reaching, it's the same message living on. It's like, yeah, it's, it's incredible. That's actually, that's very here. powerful. Yeah. Very powerful that. I actually listened to Lyle's morning show a bit. I'm stealing ideas off him. He's got a good <laughs> show. Yeah. And, and Lawson There's nothing as well. wrong with stealing ideas, is there? You know, I, I heard. Like, like that. I heard one guy say to me, he said, there's nothing wrong with um, uh, copying something right, copyright, yeah. as long as you copy it right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we better have a song, Humpty. A song? Yes, okay. we're, we're skipping around well, here. I, hang on a minute. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. All right. Did you like that? I enjoyed jamming that in there. God's amazing. Great. I played this song a couple of times. You know why I play it? Because it's a good song. It's a great song. song. I love and this it's song talking too. about how Jesus saves.
I like that song so much, Hunter. Oh, me too. I listened to it over and over and over. The other yes. night in my bedroom, my wife told me to turn it off and I had the earphones on. While I was setting up today in the studio, I put it on loop. Yeah. I've played it a dozen times today. It's a really <laughs> nice... And I think it's the words talking about how Jesus That's saves. That's it. That's the yeah, words. a beautiful thing, having Jesus save you. You know that. Absolutely. First we all do. We all do. But you had a very dramatic... Um, uh, salvation experience with Jesus and his grace means a lot to you that'd be fair to say wouldn't it oh absolutely yeah news we're going to look at hang the news. on before the news I want to just say one more word to Christina oh, who's texted me this is your wife right this is my not wife she <laughs> says nope I'm not Hundy's wife never met him remember what you said though for every one who interacts they represent a thousand so there's probably a thousand who want Hunty's music selection? Thank you, Christina. You are well. I want a joyous listener to I have wanna, on board. I want to put some uh, uh, some qualifications on that. Uh-oh. If there's a thousand listening to him and there's a million listening, that means there's nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety who want nothing to do with his music. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> anyway, test the right. theory. Text in news time. <laughs> uh, this is a sad story. This first one. It is a hundred naked men found on the Greek Turkish border. What's happening there, Hunty? It's very sad. It looks like these poor refugees yep. have been mistreated and abused and been pushed across the border. More than that, they reckon you're talking about abuse. They reckon that their bodies was yep. their body the body of these men were damaged, beaten up. Yeah. Um they yep. had they they had, they had wounds and bruises Wound, all over yeah. them. Yep. Uh um and this is a hundred men coming from a culture where that sort of thing Brings mm. disgrace Great and shame. shame. Um, it makes you wonder, doesn't it, when you look at... I mean, United Nations, is, they're throwing their arms in the air saying, how can this happen in today's society? Who would do such a such a horrible thing to humanity? I think it's also remembering that our immigrants, even those that come to Australia, and even those who come from bo- by boat, they really are people who are coming here because they're yep. under such they're our brothers pressure and, sisters. and stress. Where they live. And yep. I reckon the way the world is, we're going to see more and more of this. And I, I just felt very sad when mm. I saw that. Mm. This one we're revisiting again, Hunty. Bad news for renters. Oh. Did you read the Man. statistics here? I did it. They're horrendous. So if you if you want to try and rent a house for under $400 a week, which is pretty much all you can afford if you've got a regular a regular job. I mean, if, if you're something special, you can afford more than 400 a week. But... The number of houses available in Australia now in the sub $400 a week mark are almost non-existent. Under 20% on the market are under $400 here in Sydney. Yeah. And when I read it, I'm thinking, well, I've never seen a house under $400 rent here in Sydney. And you're quite correct. I don't know. I know how we struggle. And we have two full-time people in our house trying to make it. And you can look out there and you mm. see people now living in their cars, living yep. in tents. When I was down uh, in Victoria, Hunty, just a few weeks ago, I saw some people living down on the river yes, in tents. in tents. I did too. What about up your way, um, Robbie? Is there a home? You live <laughs> yeah. somewhere in central Queensland. Is there a, issues up there or not in, really? In Bundaberg, which is probably the closest, biggest regional town to where I'm living, they tell me, I haven't seen it myself, but they tell me it's got one of the highest... Um, uh, homeless, but they, these are they call them working homeless. Yeah, so they've all got jobs, mm. but there's literally no houses to rent. 
So oh. they're, they're living in tents under the bridge in town and different parks and things. So yeah, same parks are all full. Same problem up my area too. I, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen it myself, but I was told it just the other day. Uh, well, Hunty, when we were in Western Australia, we camped next to that guy yeah. in Perth, remember? Yeah, he was homeless. He was homeless, but what did he tell us? He wasn't allowed to stay in the caravan park for more than... Yeah, so many weeks. Two, two weeks, I yep. think it was, yep. and then he had to move on. So he, he couldn't even stay in a caravan park. I think that's why they're under the bridges. And he had a little, he had a yeah. little tent, and that night the rain came in hard. I wonder what the answer mm. to this is. Mm. It's... I don't really know. There's not a lot, because, I mean... There's, there isn't the demand. I mean, sorry, there isn't there isn't the supply, supply. for the demand. Mm. And then with inflation going up, like the problem is the got the people who like the landlords who are basically a lot of mum dad investors. Mm-hmm. The second house they've managed to purchase mm. in, in a good time with a mortgage. The interest rates are going up, so then they've got they've to, got to put their put their rents up, and so you sort of create this horrible spiral that's going the wrong direction. It's going up, not down. So I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'd like to hear what people's suggestions would be to fix the problem. Yeah, look, it's, it's a very big one. My landlords actually live in China. Oh, really? Seriously, yep. They live in China. I was negotiating with them last year over the... What's that? <laughs> <laughs> it was... I got a... I won that round, didn't I, Hunty? You did. You I saved d- off a, a rise for another it year. It was a big rise they wanted too, and I just went, nah, not doing that. But uh, I'm not so sure. I'm just hoping they're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Right now, I'm a renter. Hunty's a renter. You, you own or rent or buying? I've I'm buying. I've yeah. I've been a renter for a very long time, but I'm I'm you, buying you, at the you moment. Took a mortgage. Yeah. So well, we're, we're we're being hit by the interest rates. Are they hitting you hard? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's more than double the repayment. This a, year. a lot of Australians are a thousand dollars a month more than this time last year in just. Yeah, Hunty payments. and I started in the mortgage market when interest rates were close to twenty percent. Eighteen for me. Wow. So uh, if it gets to that, I'm I'm going to be uh, not able to pay my oh, money. Everybody, yeah. everybody would yeah. be in trouble. I don't know how you'd you deal. So so whether you own or whether you rent, I it think still e- hurts. everybody, every ordinary working Australian is in trouble. Yep. Not in trouble, but struggling. Struggling. Yep. Can't do what you want to do anymore. Hunting. Petrol just went up twenty five cents a litre. What? Petrol. They just took the tax off petrol, so it's gone oh, up twenty five yeah. cents don't a litre. Scare me, man. Mm. That was two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the following the effects are just flying through now. Yeah, yeah, I must admit I broke the record yesterday. I paid yep. over $100 for a... Your little tiny Mazda. For my little Mazda 1.8 four-cylinder, over $100 to fill it little up. Little tiny 323. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. And and vegetables going up, hunty? Yes. Do you eat vegetables? Of course. Okay, I'm basically vegetarian. So you do eat vegetables? Well, not not from the not coming out of the farms in Victoria at the moment. They're all flooded and the crops are all been wasted. Do you know how much veggies cost at the moment? Is have you got? Do you buy or is that your wife's domain? Yeah, no. Um, I can I, gi- I can give you a rough idea. I can, I can, I can remember when lettuce was eleven dollars. <laughs> how much are tomatoes a kilo? So we went to the shop a week ago in yep. in Up our north, part of yep. north in Queensland. Tomatoes were thirteen dollars a kilo. Yep. Ooh. And one cabbage. actually that's that's expensive for one, Sydney. One cabbage. And I'm not talking about big ones. Yeah. I'm small. Like yeah. they're big. You yeah. Know? One cabbage was $15. No way. That's serious. That's really bad. You know what scares me a bit about that, and I'm talking scared, is the fact that you actually come from a food bowl. Yes, that's the scary part. Up around Bundy, and not that you're in Bundy, but around there, they've grown a lot of veggies and food up there. $15. We're not paying that down here, honey. I think I saw tomatoes for about $8. Wow, that is cheap. Kilo. (laughs) You know know what I've got to do? People will laugh at me at this because I love tomato. 
I went to the doctor last week, Hunty. Yep. Thursday. You know what my blood pressure was? Tell us. I don't know whether I want to, Hunty. <laughs> I was, was going to announce it for you. I know a lot of people are going to give me advice now. <laughs> That's all right. 157 over 95. I was going to say 161. I'm going to Google that because I don't know what that means. That's bad. Okay. That's means start, you're stressed. starting to get up into stroke, heart attack territory. Made my doctor really jump. Wow. So I've gone back to riding my bike. Exhausted myself today. Um, but tomatoes are very important. Veggies are very important in bringing down your blood pressure. You want to get off processed foods, hunty, mm. and bring your blood pressure down by eating. Well, I'm vegan now. I've been vegan for what? A few <laughs> months or so. Well, I eat the odd egg, but not very much. I think you mean vegetarian. No, no, no. I'm pretty much vegan. You know how I get around the tomato thing? I buy canned tomatoes. Yeah, I do. Oh, you okay. can buy canned I tomatoes, which are literally canned off the farm, and all that's in them is, is tomato. No, yes. no salt, no sugar, yeah. just canned and tomatoes. A fraction you of can the get cost. them for about eighty cents a can. Yep, that's what I do. Do you have any uh, spare dirt around your house? Yes, because yeah, tomatoes grow. A, tomatoes grow pretty. You easily. know what I've been doing? Cherry tomatoes. Nice. They grow incredibly fast. I've tried the other ones. They're, they're, nice not, they're not too, working. Aren't they? So they grow so fast. They're like weeds. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, we, we haven't been buying tomatoes because we just picked the cherry tomatoes. Yeah. I've got a couple of bushes and a couple of pots. And My wife does that a bit. Yeah, you should tomatoes. do it. I'm telling you, this is the time to start getting a green thumb. Uh, my farm's underwater, mate. Seriously underwater, isn't it? <laughs> Still, yeah. Just get yourself it's, some pots. It's just not drying out. Hydroponics. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but look, when you, when you look at rent going up, veggies going up, and then this last news item, this one made me jump. They have developed in the United States, in a lab, a COVID virus that has an 80% mortality rate amongst mice. Mm. I read this this morning. Very I read dangerous. this this morning. That, like, okay, think about the logic here, right? Yeah. COVID hits. It was in Boston, wasn't it? It was in Boston, I think yeah, it was. Boston's Boston. lab. Yeah. Boston decides, yeah, look, COVID's pretty bad. Let's try and make it worse. And do, you then- know, do you know what they're <laughs> thinking, though, don't you? Oh, I'm sure it's all for our good. <laughs> <laughs> what they're saying, and this is what the lab came out and said, we're trying to guess ahead of the way, you know, COVID Mutations and mutates. Yeah, um, but, okay, look, I'm okay. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, right? But the famous well, but comes next. I don't think you have to be on this one. <laughs> yeah, but the, okay, here's my point. Nobody, anyway... From the from the sources that I've read, and they and I don't read the fringes, I read yeah, the mainstream yeah, stuff. Yeah. They don't. This, the, okay, those who believe it came from China, right? From the from the lab, Wuhan lab, believe that it would never have gotten as bad as it did if humans weren't messing with it. And in it was, other words, it didn't necessarily start in the wet market. Yeah. It started in a lab. And escape from the lab, and there's even some talk, and this is not scuttlebutt around the no, edges. No, no. This is, you know me, I'm no yeah. conspiracy theorist, yeah, but yeah. there's even some talk that the virus originated in, the, in a lab in the United States of America, and the Chinese in the American lab were sharing. Yeah, exactly. Look, look, this this stuff is this has been argued in congressional hearings in the United That's States. Correct. I've watched them. It's not yeah, so it's, we're not on the edge. Yeah, here. this isn't on the edge. No. But anyway, here, my point's this. Okay, so. There are many um, reputable scientists who believe that if humans weren't messing around with the coronavirus in the first place, and it, by the way, the other labs are in Ukraine. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. weird, but anyway. Yeah. If, if we hadn't messed around with it, we wouldn't have had the problem we've had. It, and so what do we do now? 
Oh no! Look, let's see if we can predict what, how worse it's going to get in the future. Well, they, <laughs> now we've got an eighty percent kill rate. They turbocharge the virus so that they can then work on vaccinations and medicines to combat it. Problem with turbocharging is, like you just said, what happens if it escapes? Yeah. Mm. Now I did get some comfort when I read that the eighty percent kill rate was on mice, mice. not humans. Yes. Mm. But mice and humans have some similarities in the structure of the way they work. So we need to be very careful. Look, to me, it's just another sign of the time, right? Like I know on your show, you've talked about a few times about mm. viruses and these sorts of things. It's just it's a it's a condition that we know if we're students of the of Jesus and students of His teachings and His predictions, these things will happen. They will get worse. But this mm. is the opportunity to know two things. Number one, He told us it would happen before it would, so we'd believe. And number two, look up. That's right, Luke 21, That's he it. told us. And I think we can go to a song on that, Hunty, Look Up, Ooh. Look Ooh. Up. Not a song, but to our little, you know, Look Up. Oh, yeah. If you, and you see these yeah. things happening, Look Up. Yep. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Uh, Hunty. Yes. You're going to give a little shout-out for the... Yeah, there's still time, listeners. If you'd like to send in your questions, we'd love to have them. And you can send it to them as one of two ways. You can text them to us on 0488 880 or you can email them to us at info at aussiepastor.com. Now, this song, Hunty, yes. with a story to tell the nations. I want to ask Robbie, have you ever heard that song? It's I a have. hymn. It's, it's not just a hymn. I'm pretty much sure it was written in 1895. We have a story to tell the nations. Now, you and me, one thing we have in common, we're both very evangelistic, and what that means is we love to tell people about Jesus. Absolutely. Our whole lives are dedicated to that. This hymn, have you ever heard it? I don't think so. Maybe when, I've, when it's playing, I'll hear it, but I don't know about the title. Hunty. Yes. Yes. The reason I put this in is because, and I've said this a few times on our, our program, this is a hymn, and it's sung in a church by a church choir and the church. And the it, organ. Yeah, and a beautiful big pipe organ. The best part about it is the organ. It is. It gives you a little window into what many churches will sound like on a Sabbath if you were to go in there and to worship. And I like to play these songs because I reckon, I don't know how you find this, Robbie, but there is a pretty big significant difference between what you're going to hear in church and what's going on outside in the radio waves out in the world. Sure. Yeah, true. And, and yeah. this, the funny thing is when I first come back to Jesus, I didn't kind of like this music a whole lot. But since I've been with Jesus and I've had the Holy Spirit come into me and I've experienced how beautiful it is to walk with him, I don't know about you, Robbie, I've got a new appreciation for this sort of music. I haven't heard the song, so I'll tell you after the break. Tell me what you think about it, seriously. <laughs> okay, let's listen to it, hunty.
Humpty Humpty. Oh, you, you've I got to love that. Love that. <laughs> you've got it. I know you love that sort of stuff. Bigger the organ, the better for me. And that that guy's pumping that thing. He is. And that's a what? Well, okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna prejudge it. What did you think of that song? Look, uh, it's one of those songs. Uh, well, the music was the the, the yeah. lyrics are impressive, right? Yeah, yeah. The thing that I've noticed about this sort of music, like with the organs and things, yeah, yeah. it's so much better live. Oh, yeah. Like you don't get the full impact of it, like the three D surround feel of it, right? And I've, my, I remember my, the first time I ever heard that sort of music was, I think it was Handel's Messiah. Oh yeah, love I was, that. I was in Washington D.C. at a massive church, and uh, it was my first time ever, and it just it felt like I was saying before during the break, it felt like either either I was being taken up to heaven or heaven was coming down to where we yeah. were. And that's don't the you sort think of stuff that's that how worship has. should be. Though. Absolutely, that's when you go to church. That's what you actually should experience heaven. Yes. That's what it's for. It's a, it's a worship service. It is. It's, it's a little window into what we're going to have in heaven. Mm. Um, that, that, that pipe organ though, Hardy. Love a big pipe we, organ. We actually went to Praise Prom, what, a couple of weeks yep, ago? at the town hall. And they had a big pipe organ. 64 yeah. foot bottom in, biggest in the world. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's not, is it? Oh, there's no bigger than 64 foot. Most organs only 32 foot for the biggest pipe, but that's got a 64 foot in it, which makes it the biggest, that. well, one of the biggest in the world. That's why the building was shaking when the guy was playing those You were loving notes. that too, weren't you? Oh, as in heaven. Hey, you know that church I used to pastor in Moronga SDA? Yep. has a pipe organ. How good yep. was that pipe organ? Hey, brilliant. They had a, a folded in half 32. So that means a 16? 16, yeah. So it's just a little baby. It's still good, though. Oh, well, it used to pump up when Franklin would get on it, <laughs> yep, didn't it? it sure did. He's an old guy in his 80s who built this organ. Well, he, he rebuilt it. He used to get on that thing, and it used to, oh, put the hair on the back of your neck up. Um, anyway, let's have a Bible study, honey. Indeed. We're going to do two today. Where are we going? What's right. the text? Um, right, I've got Luke chapter 16, 16 up. Yeah. Hey, Robbie... I got you on here because I wanted to give it to you today, mate. <laughs> on air, live, sure. Yeah, yeah that's right. Hunty, right. Hunty called you the boss, so if you're the boss, we might as well call you and give it to you while we can. <laughs> I want to talk about hell. Hell. H-E-L-L. I want to talk about eternal hell because there's this idea, and, and I want to look at some texts where they get this from. There's Now, I, I, maybe right at the beginning a caveat is that right yes is the right word yeah it's the word i don't personally believe in an eternal hell and i reckon you can go from genesis 1 to revelation 22 and you cannot no matter what you do build an argument for an eternal hell that's what i believe yeah, in. I, I agree with that too I, there's just no way no but what amazes me robbie is that most of the protestant churches out there which we're one of believe advance and teach this idea of eternal hell, and perhaps nothing brings more shame and disrepute upon the name of Jesus Christ than this idea of an eternal hell, that if you don't follow him, eventually he's going to put you in a place where he will fry you forever. Yeah. Uh, there's something seriously wrong with a concept of a God like that. So I thought what, what I'd do while I got you here today <laughs> is I'd go to some of the texts that they use. Yep. And I just want to get your... Now, just so our listeners know, I haven't uh, worded Robbie up on this, have I? No. You didn't? <laughs> I can see it on, no I can, heads up at all. <laughs> I can see uh, we've got Bible text on the screen. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we're talking about hell. That's right. But, you know, I, I, like your point you just made, Lloyd, is, is absolutely rock solid. Um, before I was a Christian... I would consider myself an atheist. And the idea that people would worship a God, I do that in commas, 
that if you don't worship him, he burns you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That to me was just a turn off just in itself. Mm. And since becoming a follower of Jesus, I have read numerous literature from some of the, um, you know, the great Christian thought, um, commentators and things. And they've said, number one, the number one detrimental teaching of the Christian church, and it's not really Christian, mm. is the teaching of this eternal hell. It turns more Christians to atheism than any other doctrine in the church. So you're spot on. It's it, funny you say that because it's just not there. And so God's getting labelled with something yes. that he doesn't even advance or have. It's not in his arsenal. It's not how he works. But, um, but this is the whole central, one of the central issues of what we call the cosmic conflict between good and evil. Yeah. Satan's accusation, he's called Satan because he's an accuser. Mm, His yeah. accusation is to misrepresent God's character in every shape and form. And hell is just one of those ways that he's done that. Do you think it could be the largest of all the misap- misrepresentations of God's character? I Do think, you- yeah, look, it, I think the, the core one is that God is not loving. Yeah. I think that's probably the core one. And it's manifested in this one for sure because he's clearly not a loving God if he's going to burn you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? I agree. I mean, even before we go to this passage, let me ask you a question. How many children have you got? Two. If they never followed and did and went down the road you want them to go in life, would you hurt them? Would I hurt them? Yeah. I don't think, uh, well, could, could you, I'm, I'm sure they probably... Could you put them in a place where they're in pain forever? No, no way. Uh, but as I was going to say, I'm sure some there might be some parent out there that could do that, but I, from a... Normal, From a normal, a normal parent. parent's perspective, there's no way you could do that you to your own child. You protect these kids with your life. You'd be disappointed, you'd be upset, but you, there's no way you're going to torment them. Now, if you follow the Bible, or hurt them. you were created in the womb by the hands of God. That's why Adventists believe so deeply on the... Um, Sanctity of life. Yeah, before birth. Mm. So you're created by God. So you're created by his hands, he shapes you, you are his son, yes. correct? In fact, that's the Bible calls us, sons, sons and, and daughters. daughters of God. We are, sons and daughters. Literally, in reality, sons and daughters of God. Another Bible study for another day. When we get to heaven, we actually become <laughs> royalty. We're, we're royalty right now yeah. because our, our, our brother, Jesus, who's human and God, sits on the throne of heaven. We're royalty mm. already. Um, but um, this idea that God would take his sons and daughters and put them in a fire to burn for eternity is so reprehensible and yet there are so many people, good people out there who believe it. Mm. So I reckon we have a look at, these are not all of them, but let's have a look at a few of the passages that are used to back this up. I just want to get your comment on them. Sure. Is that all right? Hunty, you ready to go? Okay, yes. Uh, this is found, this one, in Luke chapter 16. So if you can go to Luke chapter 16, mate. Yep, and um, verse 19. And what your, what version are you in? Uh, I've got NLT. Okay. Yep. Go, mate. Okay. All right. Uh, Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen, who lived each day in luxury. So before we go any further, uh, Robbie, is this a a story uh, that Jesus is recounting that actually happened? What sort of story is this? So, I mean, when you you can read the whole story, you'll see this more clearly, but to me, using the Bible to interpret itself... Yep. This is what we would call a parable. What's a parable? I just so, want I just want to bring this out right at the beginning yeah, so okay. so people realize what they're actually listening to. So a parable is a it's a story that has some sort of spiritual or moral lesson or both. And Jesus used this method to communicate to the masses so to speak. 
Is it a true story? Is it so? Parables don't have to be true. They don't okay. have to be true. They don't have to be um, fictitious. They're, that's not the point of the parable. And this is sometimes lost on us in the 21st century. Yeah. We kind of go this then this narrative that it has to be this or it has to be true or it has to be clearly a, a legendary. That's not the mindset that Jesus is dealing with. Yeah. And uh, let me let me share a scripture. Okay. That yep. proves what I've just said here. So, in the Gospel of Mark. Mm-hmm. In chapter 4, this is what it says. It says, with many such parables, so it just talks about a whole bunch of parables. Yep. With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them. This is the multitudes, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, referring to the disciples, then he explained all things to his disciples. And this, this same principle is repeated in two of the Gospels, that Jesus never taught without using parables. And so it's a mistake, and this is where the danger of this, where I think we're going to go with this hell mm. thing, the mistake is is to take every of the teachings that Jesus says, like when he says, cut off your hand, mm. when he says, um, yeah, you know, your eye. yeah, pluck out your eye, these sorts of things. Mm. It's, it's dangerous to take some of these things and apply them to literal when clearly the Bible teaches that Jesus taught in parables, which means he's trying to illustrate a moral or a spiritual truth using a story or an illustration. There's stories that are symbolic of great truths. Yes. Okay, let's go on. Come on, Hunty. Okay, all right. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Okay, okay. We're going to stop there. Can I take the role of the prosecutor for (laughs) hell here for a moment? I'll be gentle. I'll be very gentle. I trust you. (laughs) so this poor man dies and he's carried by the angels so those who believe that after death you either go to heaven or an eternal hell Mm. they're right smack bang in what they believe is bible truth here yes so this man dies he's carried by the angels well to where so this is this is exactly the point what and like so, I didn't. Like, as, as, as sometimes I've told you on the show before, and people would know on a faith of them that I didn't grow up a Christian. Yeah. So I didn't grow up with the stories. I didn't grow up with what I call the baggage. Yep. Okay. So when I look at these passages, I looked at them with like first time, yeah, mature eyes. Right. I didn't see these as a in the lens of what I heard in Sunday school or something like that. Yeah. What I have found when I talk with Christians who might believe that this somehow teaches that um, there's a place of eternal torment is I ask them exactly this question. Where did the angels take this person who's died in the story, in the parable? And without even skipping a beat, you know what the number one response is? Heaven. Heaven. And I say, but what does the actual text say again? What does it say there? Well, can you read it? Yeah, so it says, and so when the beggar died, he was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. So this version says, to sit behind, beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. Is that a, have they taken a liberty there? <laughs> so no, that's important. No, no, no. I, I was going to actually add that because when I yeah. heard Andrew, wow, yeah. Auntie, when I heard you read, 
um, your your translation there added some words that aren't there in the original Greek language. Uh, oh. So I was like, ugh. Uh. Um, yours said that it carried his soul. Right. Uh, that's not there. And this is this is important when we we're looking at teachings. Now, look, it, people can get into whole translation debates and arguments. I'm not one of those people. But I will say this: whatever Bible you read, read it because it's a good Bible. But when it comes to matters of doctrinal belief and faith, make sure you're dealing with a translation that's as close as possible to the literal now, original. That's text. a very good point, and I think our listeners need to hear this mm. because if you go back to the original Greek. That this is written in, and I, sometimes we need to do that. So when you see, I, I study from what's called parallel yes. Bible. So I have a three or four. I have four versions that I study from: NLT, NKGV, NLV, and NSR, NSV. Because mm-hmm. uh, I try to get across the line. Yeah, it's good to give you different uh, different takes on the English translations. And even the NLT here acknowledges that the word is not heavenly banquet; is is Abraham's bosom. bosom. Yeah. And look, if you have a good translation, or not a good translation, but a good uh, publication of the English Bible, they are normally good with putting footnotes. And they have like little ones or L's or A's or B's or whatever. That's right. And if you read the footnote, it will say, hey, this wasn't originally in the, like the NU manuscript or whatever manuscript it comes from. So, so what's Abraham's bosom? So Abraham's bosom is literally that. It's, 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 so Abraham, everyone should know, is the father figure for the, uh, the Jewish people here, right? Yep. And that's who Jesus is talking to. And that's the point. He's been talking about um, a whole bunch of parables previous to this part of that's the Bible. Correct. And he's talking to the leaders, the religious leaders of the day. Mm-hmm. And now he's invoking strong imagery that for them is like, it's like the anchor stone for their faith, right? Abraham. Mm-hmm. And this idea of going to Abraham's bosom or being Abraham's bosom, this is why that translation has taken liberty mm-hmm. to paraphrase it that way. The idea is, is that you are in fellowship with Abraham. You're mm. the, he's the patriarch. And so if you're in his bosom, well, the way a literal translation would be is the idea that you're with him. Mm. You're, so you, you've done but, all the right things, in other words. The, would I be fair to say the point of this story is not on life after death? Absolutely. And that's, that's the biggest mistake of this parable. People are focusing on the death issue. When you issue. look at parables, you've actually got to look at not the details, but the focus. Yes. Every single parable's like that. Every one of them. It's like not, there's a parable about a pearl of great price. Yeah. The point in that parable is not to go and find a pearl. The point is, what's the most valuable thing in the story? Mm. And that thing is, in that particular case, is Jesus. That's right. And so here, the the, the value here is not Abraham's bosom. That's not the point. Mm as we'll see as we progress in the story. Okay, I think we keep going because this is getting interesting. Thanks, Hunty. But I guess the, oh, to answer okay, your yep. question, your question to me initially was, where has he gone? Where he hasn't gone is heaven. That's the key here. Yeah, He hasn't gone to heaven. That's not the point of the story. Where's the other guy gone to? Read it. Uh, oh, maybe, right. maybe, 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 Hunty. Um, uh, verse 23. 23. Yep. yep, okay. Verse 23, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Would it be fair to say that those who believe as we do, this would be one of the more troublesome texts in the Bible? Um, before I answer that, let me call out that translation again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I know sorry. what you're going to say here. <laughs> so too. it should say being in torment. So the torment element is there yep, still yep. in Hades. Yep. Um, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. There's no soul in the original language that's here. Right. And that's, that's important because that's something that we, that people will jump on. 
The reason it's important, actually, is because a soul is a combination of breath and body. Yeah. A soul you is, are a soul. Yes. Genesis 2, 7, is it? Correct. Yeah, you are a soul. I am a soul. Um, and he goes to the place of the dead. It doesn't say he goes to hell. Mm-hmm. He goes to the place of the dead, Hades. But he is in torment. Yes. The Bible, does it tell us what sort of torment he's in? Nope. Not, so in, not in this passage. So we're taking a jump and saying it's fire, are we? Oh, look, there, I... People will assume that it is fire in this in this verse, yep. and it, it wouldn't. It's not. Look, I, I'll be first to say, yeah, that's that's fair enough because okay. there are other passages where there is reference to fire. Yeah, so okay. it makes sense. You could you could plug that in there. Okay, let's go on, Hunty. Alrighty, <clears throat> verse twenty four. The rich man shouted, "Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue." I am in anguish in these flames. Fire. There it is. Go on, hunty. Okay, all right. The rich man said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. (coughs) So what's the point of the story? So, so far, what we've got as a picture is that we've got two, two people, two different types of people. Two ends of the social spectrum, so to speak. We've got one that is um, obviously seems to be on the outcast. He's, and by the way, in the culture, to be this this um, this beggar would imp- and covered in sores. By the way, would imply that this person is cursed of God, yeah. is rejected of God. Yep. Yep. Whereas the rich person is blessed of God. He's got all the favor of God. That's mm. That was the common understanding of these religious teachers that they were teaching to the, the multitudes, right? So Jesus is taking stuff that they've, they've been, they're familiar with, that they've been communicating, and he's basically turned it all on its head. And this is why, again, it's a parable. It's not a historical account Jesus is recounting here. So what's he, Jesus done in the story? He's gone, hey, look at this. The people that you think are the blessed of God actually end up being lost. The people that you think are cursed of God actually sitting there with fellowship with Father Abraham. So, so far, his point is not anything about death. It's about don't assume based on what you're looking at on the surface is the actual reality behind the story of the person's life. That's the first thing. Then, when you look at verse 34, right? Uh, sorry, 24. This, this, this rich person, so that the object here is the rich person. That's, that's who we're looking at. We're not, we don't get a lot of detail about the one that was poor who's now living you know, blissfully uh, in fellowship with Father Abraham. The focus is on the one that's lost, mm. right? And this was the rich one. This is the one that we, th- we, we thought before Jesus started talking. We thought he was the one that was guaranteed. Mm. Mm. So Jesus' lesson here is becoming clearer and clearer. In verse 24, this guy cries out to who? He not cried. to God. That's right. He's not calling out, oh, God up in heaven. No, no, mm. no. He's calling to Father Abraham. Mm. So, again, it's not a historical account. It's just an, it's an illustration here. And then he's saying, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Mm. Look at the irony. Mm. He's asking Father Abraham, not God, mm. to send the very one that he looked down on in, in you know, you know here's, life. Here's your lessons. That's the lesson. Here's your right? life lessons. And then look at the ridiculousness of the story. Mm. This was literal. Yeah. Dip, 
um, your water in the tip of the uh, I dip the tip of your finger in water and cool my tongue. <laughs> like, come on! I mean, yeah, how can you yeah. take this literally? You want a bucket of water thrown over you? Wouldn't <laughs> want to dip. <laughs> the, and the other thing that makes this just obviously this is a parable in verse twenty three. Previously, yep. It's he, while he's in this place um, of the grave or yeah. death, he's with his own eyes looking up at Father Abraham. Yeah afar off. And yeah. notice it's not God. There's no yeah. picture of heaven. There's no picture of God. There's no picture of salvation here. Yeah. It's it's a conversation between what he thought he had invested in, which was Father Abraham, because he was a Jew of Jewish stock, contrasting to, hey, you know what? You didn't actually have what counted. Yeah. And so, again, the spiritual lesson is not about death here. Yeah. It's about life. Yeah. And we'll see that as it, as it continues on. Okay, hunty. I'm going to turn my mic back on. All right. Let's, let's continue. <laughs> I off. thought you had a sleep back there. <laughs> he was. He'd, he'd wandered off. I, I jumped up and moved the camera earlier. So verse 26? Yep. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. Go from us. 25, hunty. Sorry, 25. Okay. Because they're listening. Yeah, they're sure. not, not reading with us. But Abraham Some. said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. Keep going. Okay. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Keep going. Oh, do you want to comment on that at all? Oh, that, to, I, that to me again yeah, just it speaks shows that it. it's a parable. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, even if hell and heaven in this context were real, mm. you certainly couldn't speak across the chasm. Well, again, we're talking about Abraham's bosom. That's right. Yeah. So, but yeah. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, yeah. even if you want to yes. go where, where, where they are, saying this is heaven yep. and hell. Yep. Um, I actually reckon, okay, you can even go heaven and hell if you really want to in this story. It doesn't change anything. No, it's a parable because, as you said, the concepts it's sharing with us literally can't occur. Mm. It's it's lesson. God's teaching Jesus teaching lesson. Go on, Hunty. Alrighty. Let me just get that screen switched over. Okay. Twenty seven. Verse twenty seven. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I wanted him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Okay, go on. Just hang on a second before we go. Yep. This is where the actual lesson is coming it out is. now in the story. Mm. So all the rest is to set the the context this is the of the story. And we're getting exactly to the climax. Yeah. And this is what Jesus' actual point mm. with this particular parable is about. And it is? Do you want to follow or do you want to follow? No, no. Yeah, we'll just keep, keep, going. Keep, keep, keep going. Yeah, because yeah. it's going to come out. Yeah, You're right. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them, your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and return to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. He's actually having a real go at that. Oh, this, like, this, this is what frustrates me with superficial Bible study, mm. is that you actually miss the most important point mm. if you just... Oh, no, look, this is about heaven and hell, mm. and you're going to burn in hell forever and ever. No, you've totally missed Jesus' point here. He's just laid out this really amazing, and again, you miss it because of the cultural disconnect, right? Mm, mm, mm. He, okay, look at this from a Jewish perspective. Here's a person you thought was blessed. Here's a person that is totally rejected of God. And what? Their whole story flips in the, in the, in the great hereafter? What? Mm. How? Why? Jesus doesn't even get into that. Mm-hmm. He jumps straight to the point here and he says, listen, the guy who's now lost, right, the rich guy, 
He's like, all right, I accept my fate, but go back and send some message to my brothers, my five brothers, so that they don't get lost. And there's some, there's some really interesting stuff behind the number five, but anyway, that's another time, another conversation. And so what, what, is, what is the response here in the story? It's, I love this. It says, um, verse 28, I have five brothers that they may testify lest they come to where my destination is, right? And then it says, and Father Abraham, not God. Right? No, this is not God here. Mm. Father Abraham, he says, they have Moses. They have the prophets. Let them hear them. This is Jesus' point. The problem with the Pharisees at this point in the cycle or the, the mission of Jesus here on earth is that they are refusing to let Moses guide them to the Messiah. Mm. Their hearts are hardened to it, right? And he, they're the people. They, they are actually the embodiment of this part of the story. Yeah, yeah. And so Jesus says this. He says, listen, and in the story, it's this Abraham supposedly talking. He's saying, um, the guy goes back and says, no, Father Abraham, I've got a better idea. Here's how you get them to not miss out on eternal life. Send one from the dead yeah. and they'll repent. See, this is the point of the story. It's not anything to do with life and death. Verse 31, but he said, Father Abraham said, if they do not hear Moses, now who's not hearing Moses and the prophets? The Pharisees. The Pharisees. This is the punchline here. This yeah. is the last part of the, yeah. the story. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. Yeah. If someone comes back from the dead. And that's the point of the whole story. Whole point. The whole point Jesus is trying to say is, listen, Pharisees, you've got Moses. You've got the prophets. You have every bit of evidence. Cause what's the, what is, what, is, what's the actual question Jesus is addressing here? They have been, confronted with this with this reality that there's this miracle-working guy who shows up right at the right time of Bible prophecy, claims to be Messiah, and they don't like it, right? And then they keep asking him over and over again for those three and a half years is, what, by what authority do you do these things? Who says that you are who these are? Yeah, and yeah. Jesus is saying, listen, what's he say? If they don't hear Moses... He's saying if you don't, prophets. you've got the scripture, you're not reading the scripture, you're not following your own prophecies that would come down to you through Moses and Abraham and others. There's no hope. I could send, he says, I could send someone back from the dead. Yep. They're still, you're still not going to be persuaded. That's, exa- that's exactly the point of the story. And it's a sad story. It is. And not for the reasons people think. It's not about the, the death and the hell and that stuff. Mm. The fact is, it's about the living and their re- persistent rejection of the obvious that Jesus is Lord. That is. Now, just to put the cream on the cake, you've baked the cake, <laughs> but cake needs cream or needs icing on Icing, top. yep. I that just vegan wanna, icing? A few marshmallows. <laughs> it is for me. Tim Campbell too. I, I want to um, read Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 5, 6, and 10 because we've got to, we do compare Scripture with Scripture. Yes, And I think it's really important just for our listeners to understand what the Bible actually does say happens to you after you die. This is pretty quick, Hunty. Sure. If we just is what? Nine, Nine. Yep. verse 5, verse 6, and verse 10. Okay. I'll get you to comment on this and we'll finish the study. This is just to put anybody's heart at ease who's listening and mm. still perhaps struggling with this story. To me, it was very clear what you're saying. But mm. I just want, I don't want there to be any doubt about what the Bible says about death and what happens to you after your death. Because this passage of Scripture is dealing directly with death, what happens to you when you die. Yeah. Written by the wisest man in the world, Solomon, other than Jesus Christ. You got it, Hunty? Yep. I've got another screen there for you to see. Okay, here we go. The living at least know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further... How, How much do they know, Robbie? Absolutely nothing. That's what the Bible says. That's what it says. And this is this is the point, right? So 
we've looked at that parable. I've suggested it's a parable. I think I've got yep. compelling yep. evidence for that. But you look at it, the weight of whole of Scripture, there's not a single text in Scripture that contradicts what happens when you die, whether right. you're righteous or whether you're, right. you're wicked. You die. This there's, reinforces that this is a parable. Yes, that's what it does. Because this is not a parable. There's nothing symbolic about this. This is just Solomon talking, saying this is what happens to you after you die. Mm. Read it. Start yep. at the beginning, mate. Yep, sure. Okay. The living at least know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered. Whatever they did in their lifetime, loving, hating, envying, is all long gone. Verse 10. They no longer live, sorry, they no longer play a part in anything here on earth. So go ahead, eat your food with joy. Verse 10. Oh, verse 10. 10. Yeah. Right. Just jumping through. Sorry about that. Yep. Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. No work. No planning. No planning. No wisdom. No knowledge. No wisdom. Mm. It's just asleep. That's it. And we know that Jesus comes one day and wakes us up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good or bad. That's why he says there's a resurrection for the righteous and a resurrection for the wicked. That's right. So where is everyone now? Asleep. Righteous and unrighteous. Absolutely. Asleep. Yeah. But all will be woken up. That's another story. That is. Okay, Hunty. All righty. Where are we up to? <laughs> I think I, we've done the Bible study. We're supposed yeah. to have a sting after that, or how does that work? Yeah, hang on. You guys are professional. You're That's listening it. to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is a good song, Hunty. It's a great song. Uh, Empty Me, Lord. I like the words of this song, how it says when the Holy Spirit comes to you, convicts you, one of the things you ask him to do is to empty you of self. And my great battle in life has always been with self. So I've always enjoyed this song and the words.
Jesus, then all others will know. Lord, will you empty me of every selfish thing that would hinder my sweet walk with thee? Now shine down upon me and fill me in every way, Lord, let me be more like you. Shine down upon me and fill me again. In every way, Lord, let me be more like you. That song really hits me in the heart, honey. It's a great song. It just it talking about what happens when the Holy Spirit comes and what you're going to pray. And you do pray. You know, your relationship with Jesus gets so important that you don't want anything in between, you know. Mm. It's really, really beautiful. That's Andre Crouch. What a communicator. What a That's not Andre Crouch. Wasn't it? Oh, no. I it was. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, well, that was strike, actually Dolly Mullins, wasn't strike, it? Strike no, no. Strike two. You got a, any other guesses? Um, well, my run sheet says Dolly Mullins. Primitive Quartet. Yeah. Empty me, Lord. Okay. <laughs> we're a very, I'm, go, I'm going we're, well today. We're, we're a very professional <laughs> outfit Look, here. This is what they call organic. Yeah. It's, it's very raw. All right. Time for us, Delzy Pastor. What do you uh, reckon? Uh, wait there. Before we go there, have you seen a, um, on, it's on YouTube, free on YouTube. Have you seen a movie called Hell on Mr. Fudge? Yes, I have. That, that is, you gotta watch this. I mean, you've yeah. seen it obviously, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Many, many times. Yeah. It's a, actually a really good, it's a, it's a movie that's based on the life of a guy. A Baptist, he's a Baptist professor lecturer in one of their colleges, mm. universities. And what happens? And he goes on a journey to discover what the Bible teaches on this very topic we talk about today. On hell. Yeah, on hell. And he actually changed his entire belief to the biblical narrative, which is what you've been sharing. And this this guy's got nothing to do with this denomination. No, nothing to do with Seventh-day Adventist. Never was a Seventh-day Adventist. just a Bible student. In fact, as I know, never was a Sabbath keeper. Yeah. But when it came came to hell, he gave it away. And it talks about his story as a beauty because he actually paid a price to give it away. I think he lost his job and a whole lot of other things Mm. to come to the truth on what the Bible says about hell. It doesn't exist. Okay, hunty. Okay, ask the Aussie pastor. So Actually, when I say it doesn't exist, <laughs> <laughs> eternal hell doesn't exist. Yeah, so right. let, me, let me correct myself there. Coming soon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Go All righty. Um, first question is from Cheryl or Cheryl. Hello, Lloyd. My name is Cheryl. Just got a question for you. Why did Satan instigate Jesus' death and betrayal? Did he not understand scripture that it would be his defeat or did he just hate Jesus so much he couldn't help himself from killing Jesus? Um, I'm going to pass that one to you, Robbie. You know what? I actually don't have a great answer for that because I can't reach into the mind of Satan and look at how he thinks. But I, what do you? Th- I, I've got some ideas, but yeah, look, let's, I, let's let you have a go, Robbie. No, look, I think, I think you're... We uh, to answer this question means that you you do understand Satan's thinking, which is kind of scary in and of itself. Mm. But I, I understand probably the motivation behind asking this question. I think Cheryl's asking, you know, why did Satan kill Jesus when he was going to be defeated based on Scripture, right? And I think I think the first thing is I'm not convinced Satan understands Scripture. 
to the level that we do as as spirit filled guided because he doesn't Christians. have the Holy Spirit. That's exactly I'm right. It to exactly. Him. That's exactly my point. Because I've I've met plenty of person who's not a Christian who they can quote the text, they can do that, but it has no impact in the whole in their life to start with. But there's no they don't see the big picture and the interconnection of it all. So I don't I don't know. I mean, look, I don't, I don't know Satan's mind, but without the Holy Spirit, you can't you can't have the text illuminated in your understanding. That's the first thing I'd say to that point. I like that point. But the second point I'd make is I'm just quickly here turning here, Revelation chapter 12, and it says this in verse 4, referring to Satan, that says that he drew a third of the stars of heaven and drew them to the earth, right? So this is the beginning of this great controversy. This is where it all began. And it says, And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child. And that's a capital C, which is reference to Jesus, right? Um, as soon as he was born. So here's the point I'm trying to make. God already knew that Satan was going to do this. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't, this based on this question, this wasn't an afterthought of Satan just going, hey, Jesus is here, let me kill him, because I hate him so much, even though I know I'm not going to win in the prophecies. First of all, I don't know if he knows that, because there's some of the stupid stuff he's going to do in the future in Revelation 20. If he does know prophecy, why would he do it? Well, he's got other options, I guess. But the other point is is that even before the foundation of the world, God already knew what he was going to do. So based on this text, um, it's it's quite clear that God knew that Satan was going to try and take out Jesus when he was born. And he did that through Herod, or attempted to do it through Herod, and then ultimately did it through the Roman, um, you know, the crucifixion. The crucifixion. So, yeah, look, I don't know if that's a, if that's a great I, answer to a question. I, I think it's a good answer. I, I think, um, one, Satan does lose sight and rationality in this war. It's like, you know, he loses control of, yeah. his, of himself and his, his instincts and his nature take over. A little bit like the scorpion wanting to cross the river on the back of a, I don't know, the beaver. The beaver says, well, if I put you on my back, you'll sting me halfway across and I'll die. Scorpion says, well, if I do that, we'll both perish because I can't swim. Mm. Beaver says, oh, that makes sense. Get on my back. Halfway across feels the stinging of the scorpion. And as he's going under the water, the beaver paralyzed, he cries out to the scorpion, parable, parable, parable. Hey, 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 what are you doing? We're both now going to perish. You can't swim and I'm paralyzed. And, you know, the scorpion says, well, I just couldn't help myself. I actually think it's like that. Mm. You know, you know, if you've ever been addict- in addictive sin, mm. you know it's wrong. You know you where it's going to go to lead. Yeah. You, you know where it's going to lead. You know it's going to take you down. You know it might destroy your marriage. You know it might mean you lose your job, whatever. Mm. And you just can't stop. I think that's Satan. Get this for a picture. God is giving. He's, Jesus says that he has gone and prepare a place for us in his in his mansion, yeah. uh, many mansions in his yeah. his father's house, right? And we know that's that's symbolic, or not symbolic, but that's literal uh, conversation around the new Jerusalem coming back, coming down. That's Revelation. But to get this, so he's gone to give, he's gone to prepare a place for anybody who wants a spot in the new Jerusalem. Do you know what Revelation says about Satan? At the end, he's going to try and convince the lost yeah. to go and take the place that was prepared for them in the New Jerusalem, Revelation twenty, Revelation twenty. So, like the the stupidity or the irony and the stupidity yeah. of that, like the very thing that you're being offered is the thing that you're going to go for at the end, yeah. without God in it. By force, if By you're force, on the wrong side, off the wrong side. So, I, look, uh, who can get into the mind of Lucifer? Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't. It's not logical. No, it's not. It's at not all. under the unction of the Holy Spirit right. either. So. All right, Hunty. Very good. All right, moving on. 
How is it that the Orthodox Church, it's the same church, is taking active and different sides in the Russia-Ukraine war? Oh, I have an answer for that, but I'm I'm happy to open... I'd love to hear yours. I've got one, but you can go. My answer (laughs) simply is because church and religion and politics should never mix, and every time they do, there's trouble. Every single time. And this is just another stark example of the same church, the same movement, the same denomination getting involved in politics in a place where they have no right to be. That is exactly my answer, politics. Hmm. Yeah, only, only way a Christian church in the same environment can respond differently because of the political geopolitical issues around us because of politics mm. which means that jesus has taken the back seat that's right or not that he's taken it he's been put in the back seat <laughs> that's challenging for me in australia though too and mm. i'll tell you why i was born raised with a very keen sense of justice that's my family Mm-hmm. A very keen sense of justice. There's a mixture of German and Swiss and English in there, so you can imagine what it's like. Um, it's very difficult for me when I see nations bringing great injustices to other nations, and I want to talk, and I do sometimes to my own detriment, because I've had to learn, and I'm. this is something, I'm kind of exposing myself here, but I'm still learning. My work is not to advance this nation or that nation or this earthly cause or that earthly cause. Our work as Christians is to advance another kingdom, kingdom from another place with another leader and another ruler. Mm. And that's a difficult, that's sometimes a very difficult discipline. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's, I don't know what else to say about that. Well, let me move on. Next question. <laughs> Hunty's, Hunty's, he's keeping he's us on I've got two handbrakes in the studio now. <laughs> I can't even see you, Hunty. Where are you behind that screen over there? There it is. So we're actually, we're supposed to have finished this segment three minutes ago. It's all right. Question we're cruising, two. mate. We are crazy. Okay. It's all right. My job is to, is to squeeze. Here we go. Do you think the Bible is accurate and reliable scientifically? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Now, look, there are certain things scientifically that the Bible doesn't deal with. And um, look, I'm, I don't think, I'm not one of those people I think that science and faith live in two different boxes. I think they're, they're perfectly able to live together, but with the understanding that there's certain things faith deals with that science can't, can't, and there's something science deals with that faith doesn't. Mm. And if you try and make all things scientific somehow faith-related, I think that's a mistake and vice versa. But look, the Bible is, is very, very accurate. I'm actually doing a series at the moment of presentations on showing how archaeology has, has um, the discoveries in archaeology has confirmed the historical accuracy mm. And also some of the scientific facts. So absolutely, my answer is yes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, mm. I've always thought that though. I always, you know, if we want to talk about science, I think if you look through the the lenses of the Bible, there's plenty of evidence for a six-day creation. There's plenty of evidence for a worldwide flood. Um, all these things, if you choose to, can be seen quite clearly. There you go, Hunty. Have you seen the next question? Because it's, it's about the worldwide flood. Oh, okay, yeah. Do you believe in a worldwide flood? If you do, then did God send it? And if he did send it, how could he? Okay, Robbie. I believe in a worldwide flood. Yep, me too. Me too. I mean, look at Wave Rock. Look at the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Aren't they too physical? Look up in the Blue Mountains. Yeah, exactly. Look at the Three Sisters. <laughs> look at all the shells they found in the middle of the desert. It reeks of a flood. Yeah. So this is one of those interesting questions because it's very much leading like, so the first part is, do you believe in a flood? Yes. If you do, then did God send it? 
Well, I can go on the biblical account because I wasn't there to see it. But um, like geologically, there is evidence for it, I believe. And so obviously it happened. Then I go on the biblical account because I wasn't there. So what did it say? Well, it definitely said that um, it was God who, who was behind the flood. Some Christians struggle with that, don't they? Yeah, they do. But this is, the, this is, this is because if, again, you're a surface student of, of the Scriptures, you get yourself into a camp that you're either God is all loving and no mercy, uh, sorry, no justice, or God is all justice and he's not loving. And that, that issue we dealt with about the eternal death, that's kind of in the justice camp, but there's no love. But I think the other side is just as dangerous where it's all love. God is so loving that he could never do that. Actually, no, he could because he is also a just God. Like I, his mercy is expressed in his love and his justice. You have to have both to have it. Yeah. Like if you th- think of it this way, in our country, if there was no justice for rape, mm. the crime of rape, mm. would we say that our our country is <coughs> the most loving country on the planet? Mm. Yeah, maybe. Mm. But we wouldn't be a very just country. Mm. So you kind of got to walk this line of there's justice and there's love. And I think I think if you read the account of Genesis chapter six, you'll yeah. see that God is demonstrating both. I reckon people struggle with God's sovereignty. There you go. Mm. The fact that he is the king. Yeah. He does rule the world. Yeah. There are some things he rewards and there are some things he punishes. He is the sovereign. And I mean, when I look at what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and I see the injustices over there, one of the things that comforts me is God is the sovereign. Mm. He sees things will happen, but he sees there is justice, but there's also also love and mercy. Okay, Hunty, go on. All right. Um, well, just, just to finish that question, the yep. last part says, oh, okay, if he yeah. did send it, how could he? We were going to miss the important part. We, were, we? That, we could think, be in trouble for that. I think that's the real, the real <laughs> yeah, question. Yeah, how yeah. could he send a flood? Yeah, okay. let, me, let me give you the biblical answer real quick. Yep. It says in Genesis chapter 6 that God looked at humanity and he said that the thought of humans was continually evil. So how could he? Evil. Because it was justice. It was justice for the continual evil. You know what? It was justice, though, mixed up with love. I'll tell you a very short parable. But this has... This <laughs> no has, beavers in this, this one, this, right? this, this, No, there's a cow in this one. Okay. This has reality. My dad, a cow would get stuck in the mud. Um, he couldn't get it out. He'd pull it out of the tractor and he'd give it seven days to stand. If it didn't stand, then the cow would be... Um, euthanized. Euthanized. Yeah. In some ways, those people had got to a place where the evil was so bad that death itself was a relief. It was better. It was better than life. Mm. And so even in that act, there's justice, there's but love. there's love yep. and mercy. There you go, Hunty. All righty. Well, we're pretty aligned on these things, Lloyd. I'm shocked. Well, we'll find something <laughs> soon. Don't worry. <laughs> that, that's because you've become a Queenslander, mate. So uh, is that what You've got is? that uh, maroon blood running <laughs> through you. And Hunty be the one that's out of line here. <laughs> here we go. Next question. My husband is an unbeliever. I guess, I guess that's not Christian. And he has absolutely no interest in God. Should I leave him? No. But I'll let uh, no, Robbie... My, my, I'm just trying to find a text here. Um, yeah, no. But she, my answer is no. Yeah, no. And the reason... Well, Jesus says no, doesn't he? That's that's what I was going to say. It, yeah. It's Paul. Paul here. Paul, in, yeah. I, I'm trying to find it. In, yeah, I think it's, it's in it 1 Corinthians somewhere. I just can't find the passage. But You talk um, and I'll try and find it for you. So Paul makes the case, specifically to this point, that if the unbelieving spouse is content to dwell with you as a believer then it's your presence in the home acts as a sanctifying influence. So if, if your husband is unbelieving and you're a believer 
and he's content to dwell with you, then um, Paul's command is, is that, I don't know, have you found it there yet? I think it's kind of along that line. For the unbelieving husband, sanctified by his believing wife. Yes, that's the one. The unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be lost, basically. Yeah. So the, the first point I'd make is um, if, if, there's, if you can live in harmony, yeah, sure. But then the second thing, and I think is what you were going, Lloyd, is that Jesus taught that there's really only... Um, limited reasons for for divorce there or separation, and one of them being um, unfaithfulness to the marriage vows. But yeah, so my answer would be, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you do this and don't this without knowing all the details of, this, of the environment you're in. If you want um, some more advice, maybe seek out a local pastor or someone to have a chat with if they are concerned of whether they should stay or not, because I don't know if it's that just the fact of yeah, belief or if there's something more There could it. be a loaded question there, because yeah. often when that sort of question's asked, there is more behind it than, oh, my husband doesn't believe. Maybe yeah. there's violence, who knows what's Yeah, and look, for on. me, let me be clear, even as a, as a Christian and as a pastor, if there is violence in a relationship between a husband and wife, mm. you, don't, you, don't, you shouldn't be there being a punching bag. You know, go, go to a safe place. As quickly as you can. As quickly as you as can. As fast, mm. yeah. without question. Yeah. All right, last question. I am a Muslim. If Jesus is a God of peace and he calls his church to follow his example and you would say that his church is the Christian church, then how could the Christian church savagely attack Muslim nations in the Dark Ages, in the Crusades, and murder about 5 million Muslims, men, women, children and babies, and do it in the name of Jesus? How could they 5 million people? I, uh, I just want to say I'm so excited that we've got people yes. tuning into this program yes. who aren't necessarily Christians and aren't necessarily um, you know, followers. That's a pretty good question, that one. It, it is a really good question. It's an exceptionally good question. So I want to thank whoever. Mm. I don't see a name here for it, but thank you for posting this I, this I don't know how many Muslims were murdered in the Crusades, but if it was five million, that is a lot. Look, let me, let me, let's break down the question, right? If Jesus is a God of peace, first of all, Jesus absolutely um, is is a God of love. He's a God of peace. He's the one of the fruit of the spirit of the followers of Jesus should be peace. When he comes, he brings peace. Brings peace. So I'm going to go with yes, he is. And then it says, and he calls his church to follow his example. Absolutely. You've got it spot on. My, my Muslim brother, you've got it exactly right. Or I'm assuming it's a brother, maybe it's a sister. Mm-hmm. Um he does call his church to follow his example of a life of peace. Absolutely. He says, be in the world and be peaceable to all men. Apostle Paul teaches us that. And then it says, and you say that the church, um, and you would say that, that his church is the Christian church. Absolutely. I'd say that. Then how could the Christian church savagely attack the Muslim nations of the dark ages? All right. So this is where we're going to start getting into it because I'm going to be the first person that is going to say, that the church that was involved with all these things in the Dark Ages was not Christian. It was not Christ-like. That's it. That's the first thing I'd say. Um, second thing I'd say is, uh, and it goes on, right, with the, the murder of the Muslims, men, women, children, babies, all that Five stuff. Five million. Uh, and do it in the name of Jesus. Well, I'll be, I'll be first to admit that they, that, that agency through the Dark Ages did it do it in the name of Jesus. It was a great wrong. And it was it was not representing Jesus, but they did it in the name of Jesus. Yeah. This is where like the Jesuits that whole name in its yeah. own self is exactly this this yeah. this um this story. So how could they do it? 
Well, they did it because they didn't have the whole, they weren't born again. They never had the Holy Spirit. They weren't Christian. You can call yourself a Christian. Mm. It means nothing. Yep. Just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean you are. To be Christian, truly Christian, you are born again and your life exemplifies, characterizes it's it, the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit weren't there. In fact, I'll tell you a little story that I heard from a pastor evangelist some time ago. He said that that war between the Muslims and Catholicism, because mm-hmm. that's who it was between, yep. actually gave Protestantism a chance to rise in Europe. Yes. Because if the, if the Church of Rome had not been over attacking Islam, then Protestantism would never have got the air to breathe, to birth itself and be, well, for Jesus to birth it and grow it. In, in, in ancient Europe just wouldn't have been able to happen. It also created a vacuum for the, the scriptures to, to, to infiltrate into Western Europe. Yeah. But, but even that doesn't excuse what the church did back then Mm-mm. to more than five million people. It's, see, I would go with that point you said before, right? You remember we were talking about, um, church and state coming together. Yeah. The church getting involved in politics. Yeah. And it yeah, was always yeah, a bad yeah. thing. Here you go. Here this, you go. This is the pinnacle. Of yep. that in in the in the Christian, I use this very loosely, yep, but yep. the Christian space, right? Yep. Because this period of of um, dark ages and persecution, this took place only after Rome, as in Imperial Rome, and the remnants yeah, of it, yeah. unified with the church. Christian Church That's at the right. time. And when I say Christian, it was it was hardly Christian at that point. This is yeah. around five thirty eight AD, yeah, yeah. and at that point, that's would be not. It's no longer the Church; it becomes the Holy Roman Empire, right? Mm. And so we see that then persecute on this level for 1260 years. So look, I thank you. And, and it wasn't just the Muslims. That's what that, I said. There, there, there was the, there was the Spanish Inquisitions. There was the Inquisition. I mean, look. The Huguenots people, wiped out in the hundreds of thousands in France. People from pretty much every, every country in Europe. The Waldenses, the English Celtic Christians, the Celts, uh, the, the Coptic Christians from um, well, they weren't Coptic then, but the Christian Church in Egypt and and uh, in Ethiopia, they all came under persecution from. Yeah. Them. So it wasn't the Muslims never bore the brunt of this one alone. Look, there there are accounts. There's a great book if you want to read about it called Fox's Book of Martyrs, mm. and it talks about people who suffered at the hands of the so-called church. It's free online, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's a quite online. it's quite a, a graphic read. So you know, viewer discretion. But the there are accounts where children who recited. Jesus's prayer, the Lord's prayer, if you recited it from memory, mm. they were burnt at the stake. Mm. I mean, by the so-called church in town, the followers of Jesus. For the Lord's prayer. For the Lord's prayer. Wow. That's, all they had to do was quote the Lord's Matthew prayer. Matthew 6, the yes. words of Jesus. Our Father which art in heaven. That's if you right. quoted that as a child, that, there's accounts in those accounts where they were put to death because they had memorized the scripture. And it was a, it was a forbidden thing. To I, I, so I don't know that it's any comfort to our listener, but the fact that both the Muslim and the we also ancient put, Christian yeah. church was under persecution. This, in some sense, this system was like a sledgehammer just thrashing around the world, beating everybody up. Yes. It's very sad. And, you know, Revelation chapter 13 tells us that this system received a deadly wound that would come to an end, which it did. 1798, Napoleon came in, so we've had enough of this. We're taking this this power off its throne, so to speak. Berthier marched into Rome. That's it. Took the Pope prisoner. And he broke up the state yep. and the church. Yep. And it remained that way until 1929. Lateran. Treaty. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they brought it back together, Revelation predicted that as well. So, so the, the wound will be healed. Will be healed. And so, what we once saw, we'll see again. So this goes back to that previous question, like, is the Bible accurate scientifically? And like, mm-hmm. 
you couldn't write this stuff no. and get it right. No, you could. Yeah. Mm. Well, that brings to the conclusion, Ask the Aussie Pastor. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. And here he is, Hunty, Andre yes, Crouch. Andre Crouch. He was down the line somewhere. Yes. <laughs> Don't know why. Does love you, hunty. For sure. He loves me too. Loves Robbie. Hey, Robbie. Hey. Um, thanks for coming on to the program today. We're coming toward the end. What are you doing in Sydney, by the way? Because I don't know whether... Do we make it clear that he is actually in the studio today, live, hunty? <laughs> Sounds nice and clear. Yeah, he is here. <laughs> it's what so good to be face-to-face to you guys. You were telling me that you haven't been home much this year. Look, yeah, it hasn't been much. Um I'm hoping this will change next year. Look, this year, because of COVID, coming out of COVID and all that sort of stuff and travel opening up, we've, yeah. we've had to do a pretty strong stint of travel. But So what yeah. are you doing in Sydney? So I'm in Sydney at the moment. I came down here uh, last weekend and yep. did a series of um, Bible lectures and prophecy lectures around Sydney. 
And then uh, that was just a one-day event sort of thing. And then I came back here on, when was it, Thursday this week, or so last you, week. Okay, yeah, So yeah. I'm in Sydney now for four weeks straight. Well, not going home at all. Not going home at all for four weeks. Did you say you're married with kids? Um, I hope to be when I get back. <laughs> that actually is a long, it, long... It's, this is the longest I've ever been away from home. Well, look, I'm senior to you. Might not be in the church, but I'm senior to you. Give me some advice, Lloyd. Don't do that too much. This is the uh, hopefully the only time this will happen. Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe we, could, yeah. we can kick in and fly him home for a few days. <laughs> well, yeah. you're paid a fair bit, Hunter, so <laughs> maybe you can jump into that. So the, the problem is not the, the money. <laughs> no, not the, the money. The no. problem is the time. time. Yeah. So what are you doing this weekend? So I, um, for three nights a week, I'm taking a series of um, basically presentations that explore prophecy uh, in the light of archaeology. And then also the teachings of Jesus specifically, and they ex- where we we're basically starting with um, how do we know that Jesus exists? Was he a historical figure? What evidence is there for that? So we've gone through that uh, this last weekend. Just did that, and now we're moving into so what's the point of Jesus coming to this planet? Why did why did Big he show question. up? Big yeah. question. So we're unpacking that over the next couple of sessions. Where, where are you at? So I'm in Ashfield. Do you know the address? Um, it's the Ashfield Civic Centre. Civic Center. So you're going to have to Google that if You'd you want to. You have to Google it. Okay. okay. Ashfield Civic can't be hard to find. No, nah, it's pretty um, easy. Maybe Hunty can even yeah, Google, Google it. Google it. Yeah. Hey, um, what are the session times? So the next one's 7, 7 p.m. So 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. on Thursday this week. 7 p.m. or? Seven, there's two sessions. Oh, okay. 7 and 8. Yeah, so 7 and 8 with a bit of a break in between. Yep. Um, and then we meet again on Saturday night, 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. And then Sunday, 7 p.m., 8 p.m. And then we yep. repeat. Thursday again, and then Saturday. At Sunday. the Ashfield Civic Centre. 260 Liverpool yeah. Road, Ashfield. That sounds about right. Yeah. What is it, Hunter? 260 Liverpool Road, Ashfield. Okay. And it, 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 you turn up, no pressure? No, just come in, sit down. Meet. Meet, meet. Robbie Burke. Have a chat, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they're about about 40-minute long lectures. There's two of them. Yep. And, uh, yeah, just we, we've already gone through all of the, the archaeological findings and things like that, and now we're just straight into, okay, so... The evidence is here that, that Jesus was a historical figure. What did he teach? And yeah, it's it's it, every time I do this, I've done this for years now. Yep. But it's absolutely amazing. You know, Jesus he had to either be crazy to yep. say that he was who he was. Yep. He had to be um, an absolute liar if he wasn't crazy. Yeah. Or he had to be who he said he was. I'll go for that third one. Yeah, me too. He's God in humans. So yeah, it's been it's been good. We've got a good bunch of people coming along. They they seem to be enjoying it. And if you haven't been going, can you come still? Yeah, anytime. I you mean, can, we can give you some of the backstory. Like we got handouts and things from the previous episodes and stuff like that. So, so you didn't video it? No, it hasn't been videoed because okay. the venue doesn't have any facility for that. We need to win you to this the video, don't mm, we? Auntie? We should. I, I just need another hunty. That's what we need to get. Someone that can take care of all the technical <laughs> stuff. You know how blessed you are, Lloyd, for someone to do that. Like every time I see or hear you. You know, Hunty's there. <laughs> so, do you know that that you can actually do this with a iPhone? Yeah, the iPhone 14 is 8K. <laughs> it's not hard. Yeah. Okay. So, give me Hunty. You do the phone. <laughs> I'll tell you what I would do. I would lend him to you for a little series, just oh. a little one. Yes, I would. If we, if we get our insurance money through, we, we'll be all set to go soon too. Actually, you'd have the. You'd be able to do it. Yeah, we're praying for insurance. We had a good move. We had some good, some good news. Yeah, we had some good news. Honey, yep. you want to share that with our listeners because yes. they are following this. We we lost we lost over a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment. A hundred thousand dollars studio. Yep, probably and personally, we probably lost fifty or hundred grand each as yeah. well. Wow! But the fact is, we just need a hundred thousand dollars to get our 
equipment backing it out, mystery going again, and it looks like our insurance company will come through. Which we're really thanking God for. We are thanking God. And it's important because we ourselves are in the middle of a series of programs online, Hunty. Online. Yeah. And you know what? We're doing a very similar thing to Robbie. We're actually, well, Pastor Lloyd actually, Lloyd, my mate, is on this radio program, is presenting Jesus as a real figure. He's in a series called Surviving the Chaos. Correct. And he's going to tell you, if you haven't already joined us, how you can hear the voice of God and how you can have a relationship well, with Jesus. Well, this weekend, the first on Friday night, yes. this Friday night, there's one single thing we're looking at. Yes. Can Bible. I trust the Bible? That's right. And I want to encourage you to join us. Now, there's only one way to join us. Go to is, Aussie Pastor. This is not open hunting. No, it's closed. Yeah. Um, go to aussiepastor.au and if you register there, we will send you a secret link to the program playing Friday night. So it is aussiepastor.au. That's, That's it. it. The new website, aussiepastor.au. Did you guys get an .au? We did. Wow. It's all right, aussiepastor.au. Could I say without saying too much, Hunty uh, got more than one .au too. <laughs> we, we, uh, we got the .au too for fake the Ah, <laughs> nice. Are you using it yet? Not turned on yet. Uh, but, but it will be very soon. I reckon Hunty would have been one of the first in the world to turn <laughs> on. But if you go to aussiepastor.au, you register, there, register there. You will get the secret link. And I'm going to guarantee you, this is worth seeing, Hunty. It is. This one particularly, can you trust the Bible? Because we're getting into some of the claims the Bible makes. And some of the, we're talking about the chances of these claims coming true. And it's abs- mathematically unbelievable. Astronomical numbers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just incredible. So aussiepastor.au, jump online, aussiepastor.au, register. Yep. And I'll see you Friday night, honey. That's it. Hey, we've got 30 seconds left. Can I do a plug for um, homecoming? Yeah. Great. If you'd like to meet the Aussie pastor, then this weekend is the weekend to do it. Come to New Hope Seventh Avenue Church for Samuel Place, Quakers Hill, just behind the Aldi, and there's a special program prepared just for you. Actually, it's, it's called Aussie Pastor Homecoming because it's all about our uh, our ministry, for want of a better word. What we, what Aussie Pastor does and what's happened over the last twelve months is really exciting. And Hunter, you know what? If you come, yes, they're going to meet you. They're going to meet me, <laughs> and they can stay for lunch. They can stay for lunch, and it's going to be a beautiful lunch. Time's up. Let's get our last song rolling. Oh, wait. Hey, so, so no. Wait. Oh. You've got to do the sting. Oh. There's no time for the sting. Plenty of time for the sting. All right. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hunty. Yes. This is another song, and we sing this song in church. We do. It's a great song. And this song. song is actually being sung in church. The song is Because He Lives. It's a Bill Gaither song. Bill Gaither's actually singing it with a group of other people. It just this is come to New Hope. This is the sort of music you're going to hear. Thanks, Auntie. Sing it with me. 
God sent His Son. That's how we worship in church. 
And I love it. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, Robbie, for coming today. Thanks so much for having me again. Yeah. God bless you down here for the next four weeks. Yes. I think I might try and grab you in at least once in that four weeks if you're here. So we can do. Yeah, we'll do that, eh, Hunty? Yeah, I was thinking we should try and... We should try and get that across the line right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and perhaps we'll finish. We'll ask you, Robbie, to finish with a prayer. Sure. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the uh, clarity of Scripture as we've, we've dug in a bit in a couple of passages here this afternoon. Thank you for the just the, the comfort and peace that we get in the complete picture of not just your love and mercy, but also your justice and uh, the freedom that comes in knowing you. Bless our listeners right across Australia and uh, online or on air mm. as they tune into this uh, program and the programs that will follow the rest of the day. Mm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, and I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty, and I'm the man in black. And I'm Robbie, your guest. And we all, <laughs> we all love, love you. you, but Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you so, so much, much more. more. See, See you, you next time. time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 